Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 127 expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now preparing holy grail analyzer. Unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. So I've got like the COVID blues, man. I, you know, and it hit me hard this past week. I need to see a fucking movie, man, in the movie theater. <laughs> like, I mean, the fact that it's summer right now, mm-hmm. and it, like, for me, it just doesn't feel like it at all. Like, just because I'm not seeing, you know, one or two movies like every week. Um, it's just, it's depressing, Christian. <laughs> I, just, I just miss all of it. You know, I miss the smell of the stale popcorn, you know, the fucking sticky seats. Um, just, you know, the, the assholes on their fucking cell phones, like, I mean, give it all to me. Like, I'll take it all, you know, just to fucking see a movie in the theater. Um, it's killing me, Christian. It's fucking killing me. This was supposed to be the year where we were going to get a movie every single week. Well, that's, that's how it really started off. If you listen to like the previous shows from the start of January, Mm -hmm. we were literally reviewing a film or two a week. So, I mean... And now we're just struggling. <laughs> no, we got plenty. Don't turn it off. Yeah, now. no, we got plenty to talk about. But no, <laughs> we're not struggling for content. There's always plenty to talk about. But, you know, it really, like, we were looking at the slate, like, in January. Like, holy shit, we're going to fucking see 52 movies this year. Like, we're going to hit that number. <laughs> Um, what, what's more annoying is I had to edit that entire countdown of oh, like what we were doing this year. Our preview, uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> and our that's out the window. Preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we could just replay the film preview for twenty twenty one, right? True. <laughs> now, Wonder Woman's still like on the slate for the summer, right? Like August, I think. Yes, late August. We'll see if that happens. Like, mm. I don't even know, like. You know, we live in Illinois. I don't even know if Pritzker's going <laughs> to allow us out of the house by that, you know, and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But I mean, it's just, you know, this is this is the first week, you know, I mean, out of like what it's been three months now where mm-hmm. it really started to like weigh on me where I was like, holy shit, man, like I need to see a goddamn <laughs> movie or something. Yeah, I, like we definitely have you know a few movies still slated for like you know late summer early fall but we'll see if we even get that like you know like once again like i i know some theaters are starting to open up fucking cinemark is like hey fucking come back you know you don't even have to wear your masks (laughs) like what the fuck are you talking about cinemark (laughs) but then on the other hand amc is like we don't even know if we're gonna open again you know it's it's fucking scary you know (laughs) Um, you know, maybe we will be seeing, you know, half these movies in drive-ins. Who knows? That, that'd be interesting. I would like to see drive-ins make a return now since, I mean, why not? Yeah, why not, right? I mean, I think it definitely has that nostalgic vibe. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a consequence of, like, the times now. So, and, and like, drive-ins, you know, I mean, how, like, it feels like something really easy to set up, too. 
Like, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be that difficult. All you need is a lot, basically. So, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more drive-ins, like, popping up. Um, but, yeah, I, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, I know Wonder Woman's supposed to be coming out in August, but if the country's not ready and we start seeing spikes again, you know, and not all the theaters are open, are they even going to bother with that? Or are they going to do something where they do, like, a VOD, you know, slash, you know theatrical release where you kind of get like your choice if you want to stay home and watch it that's fine you know they'll probably charge you like 30 dollars or something which i get if you got a giant family that's how much it would cost to go to the hmm. theater anyway um but you know give people the option i mean maybe that's the way of the future who knows i remember a couple of years back where they were really starting to come up with this idea of you know selling movies that come out in theaters for video on demand immediately uh like they were planning on making all these services for that and that kind of just kind of went under the water like real quick mm-hmm. um and now it just seems like it makes sense <laughs> for us right now yeah and i'm sure like part of that is just like you know the you know theater industry like you know putting the kibosh on that like mm-hmm. hey if you do that you're not showing your film you know in our theaters just because they would lose tons of money you know, because yes. I mean, there's some people out there who much rather, you know, sit in the comfort of their own home and watch films. And I don't blame them. I get it. But for me, it's all about, you know, the ambiance of like sitting in the theater and, you know, getting, you know, like getting all that, like, you know, sensory experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, neck cramp and all like, you know, bring it back, man. I, I miss the theater. I hear you, man. Well. Before we move on, in episode 126 of our show, we participated in the podcast Blackout and listed out some of the many victims of police brutality and hate crimes. Victims like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. We wanted to take a moment in this episode to reiterate that Black Lives Matter. It is important now more than ever to make your voices heard against racism and social injustices. If you're looking for more ways to help, listed in episode 126 are many different resources in our show notes. We would also like to remind you to make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review if you like the show. And if you DM us a screenshot, not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some nerd swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, this week we got a lot to cover because uh, we did miss out last week on news, so let's get into it. Yeah, and of course there was a lot of it, so. <laughs> yes. What do we got up first, Christian? Oh, uh, first we got X-Men's Quicksilver, Evan Peters, lands MCU role in WandaVision. So, of course, right off the bat, everyone's assuming that we're getting the Fox version of Quicksilver, you know, in WandaVision, which kind of feels like it makes sense, you know, with, you know, the next film after that show coming out is Doctor Strange Multiverse. Um, You know, I mean, is this the way that they're going to introduce the X-Men? I could totally see that happening, but at the same time, I feel like MCU is way more creative and has better ideals than that. That it would feel lazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they did that, um, you know, maybe it's really just a glorified like cameo, a little wink and a nod, kind of a way Mm -hmm. to give like Wanda some closure, you know, with her brother. Um, I'm honestly okay with him just playing another character. I wouldn't mind seeing him play like Speed, you know, Wanda and uh, Vision's, you know, son. So one of the twins, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be cool, um, you know, and it still has that like, 
the funness of him being, you know, Quicksilver in another franchise. So uh, I think people would enjoy that. He's such a great actor too. Like you, know, I don't see him in enough stuff, honestly. Mm. Uh, and I think he'd bring a lot to the MCU. Is there anyone else that you would like cast him as? I w- I could see him as Wiccan, but uh, oh, it's Wiccan. Besides, okay. Besides that, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, he did such a great job in American Horror Story that you could totally see him doing tons of different roles. I would. So you just, know what? I wouldn't mind seeing him as like Mister Sinister if we're going to go the mutant route. Hmm. You because know, he played a lot of like maniacal like characters on that show. Mm-hmm. He definitely has that side to him. So I think he would, you know, offer an interesting take on that character. If we are like, like I said, if we're going to start like dabbling in the X universe. <laughs> but I mean, that I might just don't be. picture it. <laughs> well, especially, you know, with, you know, the show being WandaVision. Although, uh-huh. I mean, look at the fucking, you know, all the MCU alumni that they have going on. Who knows what the fuck that show is about at this exactly. point. All right. Well, continuing on, we have Bruce Campbell revealing that the Evil Dead title will be Evil Dead Now. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah. So Lee Cornyn is directing and writing, um, you know, the next film of the franchise, um, you know, and it's called Evil Dead Now. <laughs> That's pretty much the new story. It's just more of Ash, you know, Bruce Campbell reiterating that he is not going to be part of this next film. I've got mixed feelings about that. Uh, I hope they don't make the same mistake, at least the same mistake I feel they made with the 2013, you know, Evil Dead, uh, where just tone-wise, it didn't really match up with the rest of the series. Uh, I'm fine, like, you know, you want to make your own standalone movie and everything, but I feel like they need to honor at least, you know, those original films, like, you know, their charm, their, you know, that, that comedic tone needs to be there. Because otherwise, especially if it's yeah, yeah. Otherwise, just make another horror film, you know, that takes mm-hmm. place in you know with demons in a cabin in the woods. So I, you know, it, it, to me, it just feels almost cheap. like you could have called that anything else, you know, and it would have worked. It probably would have stand alone, even more so, um, on its own. So I, I honestly, I hope that this isn't just a crash, you know, grab on the name Evil Dead, and that they actually do something that once again, you know honors the legacy of those films all right well up next we have halloween kills rumor claims dr loomis could return no 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) unless they get fucking like disney money you know and we can get what we get with like you know uh grand moff tarkin in rogue one then don't even attempt it because it's just going to take me out of the movie I mean, let the man rest in peace. Like, he, there's no way you're going to be able to match the performance of Donald, you know, Pleasance. It just, it's not going to work. And I feel like it's just going to be too jarring. I feel like you could tell this story without, you know, a flashback scene from Loomis. So especially since those first two movies, or the, the I'm sorry, the sequel didn't even take place, or any of the sequels didn't take place now. So like, why even bother? You know, for me, I still feel like it's a mistake. They should have at least included Halloween 2 in this continuity um, for, you know, the 2018 film to really make sense. Uh, that's just me. So I I don't know. I, I don't need to see Loomis here. 
No, it definitely feels weird what they're trying to do. Like, like everything that keeps coming out feels like they're just cherry picking things from the sequels that they want to just throw into this new film. And it doesn't really fit or make sense too much. Yeah, like I know they're bringing up back a lot of like the original cast and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is this, how does this make any sense? You know, like, are we to believe that these characters are all still living in that neighborhood? You know, I mean, especially where we left off, you know, with the 2018 film. So I don't know, like, are they having a big reunion party and Michael Myers shows up? Like, I don't get it. I would never return to that town. No, that's the thing. Like, if Jamie's that fucking, like, (laughs) traumatized. (laughs) I don't know. It, It does feel a little cheap with all the cameos. All right. Well, uh, also, um, Ari Aster teases that his next movie will be a very long nightmare comedy and i don't know what to think about that (laughs) (laughs) it does sound terrifying um yeah uh this might have been in jest he literally goes all i know is it's gonna be four hours long (laughs) now midsummer was what like two hours and a half Mm -hmm. and that was that wasn't even the extended cut that he like released so yeah and he's come out and said like thematically he considers this part of a trilogy along with hereditary and midsummer so i don't which are totally movies that made me laugh and have a good time (laughs) in the theater so (laughs) i'm looking forward to this four hours of fun hey man this guy i mean i you know he's one of the most exciting like new directors out there Mm -hmm. so honestly you know he puts out a movie i'm there so (laughs) I'm excited for it. You know, I have no idea what he's up to, but hey, man, sign me up. I'm not going to lie. I did laugh once in Midsummer out of just, uh, I think, anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I give him that. All right. And it looks like with all the success of The Invisible Man, uh, The Wolfman could be making a comeback to the theater soon. Uh, Ryan Gosling is rumored to be starring in the film. And I guess this is all based on a story that he originally pitched and he was going to direct himself, but that has since changed. Um, So the rumor is that it's supposed to be taking place in present times and it's going to be in the same vein as like Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, Nightcrawler, which is interesting. You know, obviously would have to have some kind of like supernatural vibe going on. Um, But, you know, it's going to be this like modern take on the character. I'm a mm-hmm. huge Universal Monster fan. I really enjoyed what they did with Invisible Man. So, you know, let's see what they've got. Yeah, exactly. I think after seeing Invisible Man, I'm way more open to seeing a lot more of these modern interpretations of these characters and seeing what they can do. You know, I, I want to see more horror and like people getting more creative with what they can do nowadays with technology and stuff like that. So I'm definitely interested in seeing what they would do with Wolfman of all creatures. Yeah. The only one where I'm like, don't, don't fucking modernize it is Dracula. Cause I feel like we've seen yeah. it so often mm-hmm. lately, you know, keep that as Gothic as fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> go backwards with it. You know, let, let's get fucking giant castles, gargoyles, the whole fucking nine yards, you know, don't modernize that, you know, cause just, I feel like everyone's done it at this point. That won't necessarily be fresh. Well, guess what, Damien? We had a trailer this week for Bill and Ted Face the Music. 
One month ago, you played in Barso, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out their hit song and fulfill their destiny. I'm not 100% buying it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because uh, Keanu Reeves' voice has really changed over the years, but I... I I just don't picture him in the same role anymore. Do you think maybe it's like... Especially after John Wick yes, and everything? Yes, do you think it's like his body of work since then? Yeah, probably. Like... Uh, I don't know. It feels like a weird fit. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It's like because they look like they're like dressing on the softer side of Sears right now, too. Like, you know, at least mm-hmm. in the initial scene that we see. Um, so that was a little jarring for me. And like, I, and I oh, was all I was, on board. Like once they hmm. announced this and everything like that, I was like, "Yes, do this." Um, but you know, like seeing it and seeing like a fifty-year-old Keanu Reeves try to play this role. I mean, the other dude hasn't really aged, which is weird too. I know that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> Alex Winter has is killing it. He looks and acts the exact same. I mean, maybe same. he really is a vampire. He was one in Lost Boys. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway so but uh yeah i don't know it was a little like i don't know jarring to see keanu reeves try to do this role again um you know and maybe like part of it's too is like the theme of the fact that they haven't like lived up to their destinies so now they just feel like old losers you know like maybe that's part of it um well, i feel like that makes sense for their characters i, guess I mean it just it feels kind of predictable like I feel like I've I've seen this story before, um, yeah. You know, and then like the daughters are involved, so I feel like it's predict like it's obvious that we're gonna you know have them help them write the song, or maybe they're the ones mm-hmm. who really end up performing the song. You know, is the the dads like inspiring them or something? Um, I hope that they're not like carbon copies of their dads at that age. That's my fear too. God, that'd be weird. I, I can't picture um, Samara Weaving doing that role. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hope they're, I'm hoping that they're a little more creative than, you know, the, mm. the typical sequel that I have in my head right now um, that Hollywood would definitely churn out and that we've seen before many times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. I'm going to give it a, a chance. I'm going to, you know, this was just a, kind of a teaser trailer. So we'll see, you know, what they put out. Like, met, you know, I liked seeing Death again. I thought that was cool. The prison yard scene was was funny. Um, you know, maybe they'll lean into like those kind of moments. Who knows? It feels like it could fit with their, you know, with everything that happened before. I just, you know, I, I have that same suspicion as you do. It could just be another just Hollywood cash grab. You know, we made a simple script. Here yeah. you go. Here's some nostalgia. Fuck yeah, off. Give me you your know? money. Um, yeah, I hope not. I hope not. I just mm. don't know. Like, in my mind, you know, Bill and Ted are always teenagers. So it's hard to see them grow up. Like, do you ever want to see Beavis um, and Butthead in their 40s? No, but I could totally picture that series. <laughs> <laughs> it might actually be good. Yeah, I could actually see Mike Judd pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, all right. Well, uh, up next, we have a special edition of Christian's Corner. I can't wait. So it's game reveal season. Uh, this time of year, they usually have E3 coming out. Uh, E3, of course, can't happen because of, you know, the situation, as people like to call it. Uh, <laughs> E3 is pretty much canceled and everything like that so what people have been doing in place of that are different types of live stream events and such uh, for one like IGN is currently doing the summer of gaming um, there's actually one I think going on as I record this um, and you know it's, it's it's got a lot of the charm of E3 that's for sure um, I, I like to say it's all the awkwardness of E3 turned up to 11 because uh, it's I don't know the, the way that they're interviewing these game developers they all just seem kind of like they are not prepared to talk about their games. Um, uh, there's, there's been some interesting games that they've been showing off uh, since the start of the Summer of Gaming events. Um, two of them that really came out to me on their first day was um, Mortal Shell, which is kind of like, it's kind of like Dark Souls. Uh, that's, that's the, that's the angle they're going for. Um, for me, the, the only problem, the only thing that's keeping me away from buying it is. Uh, it, the animation just feels a little choppy so far as as compared to a Souls game um, that most of the Souls games that I've seen have very fluid um, fighting animation. So it's just, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that continues to grow as they you know get closer and closer to their due date. Um, another uh, one that came out uh, during the first day of the Summer of Gaming event was uh, the Metal Hellsinger, uh, which is basically just Doom turned into a rhythm game. Um, you know, it's... It, it stood out a lot because I, I, I do love rhythm games and I do love, you know, games with gruesome nature like Doom. So, I mean, I I don't know if it's, you know, worth a $60 title, but I definitely th could see myself picking it up as a, you know, like a bargain buy at some point. But, you know, the big thing that happened this week during, you know, all these big reveals and such was the PlayStation 5 reveal, which was uh, yesterday. Um... PlayStation 5 reveal, uh, we, we finally got to see the actual console all, like, in its glory. Um, it, except for they didn't give us the fucking price, but I'll get into that in a minute. Um, you know, there's, the internet is definitely going back and forth. The memes are going fucking crazy for this one. Um, it's definitely the most different looking console that has come out in a while. Um, except for, of course, you know, Nintendo and everything that they're doing. But the PlayStation, you know, 5 looks, you know, something completely like, it's sleek, it's stylish, and I'm actually really digging the look. Um, you know, it's not just another box that's going to be sitting on my desk. No offense, PS4 sitting next to me. But, um, you know, it, it looks unique, whereas the, the new Xbox just looks like, you know, just a straight up box that's going to sit and gather dust. Uh, this looks, you know, like something I, w I, w I want to display, something that would be, like, actually interesting and eye-catching. You know, I thought that was a very um, different way to take this. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the guest design, like, the, the ones that people were assuming it would look like, were definitely way off. But I do, I am, I am appreciative of this. It does need to not be white, though. Uh, I, I would want to get it in, like, a different color, like black or uh, maybe, like, uh, like a... Boss Logic put out a cool one uh, design for um, the Spider-Man game version. So that I thought that would be pretty cool. Uh, during the PlayStation 5 um, reveal, they did a bunch of games. 
Um, some of the big ones that I paid attention to the most was like um, Resident Evil 8 got announced. Uh, Resident it looks Evil like it's going to be a first-person uh, um, open-world experience almost of a horror game. And that's very different for what we would get traditionally in a Resident Evil experience where it's, it's usually exploration and stuff like that. But this feels so like ambitious for a Resident Evil experience. Uh, I'm definitely digging that. It, it definitely doesn't look like Resident Evil 6, at least. <laughs> um, um, we finally got a look at what will be the sequel, or I'm not sure if it's, because I'm getting mixed reports, if it's going to be a full-fledged sequel, or if it's going to be kind of like a middle-of-the-road type game. But it's a, a sequel for Horizon, which is Horizon Forbidden West. Um, you know, they didn't show off any gameplay. It was, was, it was just cinematics. But, you know, gameplay and cinematics are starting to look almost identical at this point when it comes to these PlayStation games, especially. Um, there was this one interesting game that I wanted to put up because uh, it's it, it just caught me off guard called Bug Snacks, um, where it's like you're eating bugs that are the like like a strawberry bug and then you have a strawberry arm and it was like the most for me that was fucking horrifying like i feel like as a kid i would be terrified of like turning into like these like this is something that i would talk about with friends all the time like what if your food could talk or was alive you know and that's that they pretty much turned that into a game where you're like eating living food and then at the end of the fucking trailer they show off this like weird food bug creation that just like charges the screen and I was just like this would scare the shit out of me as a kid but I don't know you know kids kids are into weird shit nowadays <laughs> uh, another big highlight was um, a Demon Souls remake coming to the PlayStation 5 I thought that was pretty interesting um, another game that's been on my radar is Deathloop which is just kind of like Tarantino meets Dishonored it's if that's that's the kind of feel I'm getting for it and like the gameplay that they showed off was really, uh, really beautiful and really well handled. Um, one of the th I do like the Dishonored mechanics um, in Dishonored, but I've never, I was never really into the world that they created. And so uh, seeing those same mechanics put into a different type of game, you know, I always kind of, I always kind of dig games that are, you know, that put respawns into the storyline, like make, like make a story um, that connects to why you're. You know coming back to life over and over again so i've always been kind of into that death loop really seems like an interesting game i'm not sure if like i'm getting the vibe that it's going to be um you know have a multiplayer element to it where you know someone's going to be hunting you but i'm, I'm hoping that they do still be able to make it like a good single player experience because i want to i want to play this by myself i think this will be a very fun game to play by yourself um, and last but not least, I wanted to talk about the Spider-Man Miles Morales um, reveal, which was the first thing that they actually showed off, which was, you know, smart move. But, um, you know, there's been, like, conflicting reports going back and forth. You know, is this going to be a sequel? Is this going to be, you know, a standalone game? Is it an expansion? You know, there was all these wild reports coming out. And when I found out that it could have possibly been an expansion, I immediately, I immediately started to, like, you know, get a little disappointed. Because you know Miles Morales deserves so much more. Uh, what it what it is going to be is kind of like how do you how do you say it? it's kind of like a spinoff, but not. It's going to be like that in between game between Spider-Man One and Two, where it won't be a full fledged you know um, sixty dollar experience. It'll, it, it's probably going to be around that you know thirty to forty dollar type of game 
where it's gonna it's gonna have plenty of stories gonna have plenty of elements but they're they're using most of uh, what you got before in the uh, previous game now they are you know enhancing the shit out of it so that they can you know show off the power of the PlayStation 5 but you know I I, I am hoping to see more miles down the road I, I want I want just a game that focuses on him 100% and this this will do for now but I, I, I'm hoping down the road, maybe like Spider-Man 3 or something like that. Because you know these games are going to be successful because they're so fun to fucking play. And it was so beautiful. The first, the first one was so fucking beautiful. So I can't imagine, you know, with ray tracing and everything else that the PlayStation 5 is going to produce, you know, how great that game is going to look. Um, overall, the press conference um, really, you know, it impressed me a lot. You know, I, I definitely didn't expect the PS5 to look as unique as it does. Um, I am happy with that. Um, you know, I, I have recently built a PC, so I'm not like, you know, it's when it comes to like Xbox, PC, and PS4. You know, the triple the AAA titles that you know can be played on either of them, I can just pick up on PC. But you know, PlayStation continues to rock the boat with these great games that are exclusive to its console. And that's what makes me want to pick up the console. Uh, just the biggest problem was they didn't show off a price tag. You know they're 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 playing it as safe as they possibly can. Um, you know they they do know that they're going to be taking a loss no matter what because you know not everyone's going to have the funds come this holiday season, especially with everything that's been going on with COVID nineteen and um, just the current climate of the U S. So it's just you know they're going to take a hit no matter what. But just at this point, I would rather you put out the price, let us know all the details right off the bat, and then you know just bombard us with how much how many good experiences that we're going to get with this um, console I think that's just the right move to do but you know that's just me um, also all June long they're going to be doing you know all these different reveals um, you know I, I was I heard like kind of funny was talking about doing something that was like 90 games this weekend alone uh, <laughs> so I'm definitely going to be cherry picking you know information that's coming out uh, picking out the things I think are the biggest. Um, I've definitely been writing a list of all the games that I'm interested in playing. Uh, come around July, I'm hoping to be fully set up and be able to experience and play these games with all of you guys. Um, if you want to see the full trailers for any of the things I'm talking about or any stuff like that, make sure that you're following us on Facebook. Um, that's where I post most of the game trailers just because it's the easiest. Um, and I'll probably post pictures and such like that on Instagram going forward. But, you know, it's, it's, big, it's a big time. Yeah, it's a big time to be a gamer. Um, and it's a great time to be a gamer. You're stuck in the house. What else are you going to fucking do? <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on, this is a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. And it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can now trim your hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. We're talking about ball trimmers, man. Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring clean. Christian, ball hygiene is important. No one wants to feel like their testicles betray on Dagobah all day long. That's why I was super excited when my wife got me Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0 last anniversary. My little Yodas have never been happier. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. I'm talking precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and tons of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to go nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they only use the best ingredients in their formulation. It's science. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside, and this is crucial so your balls stop sticking to your leg. And as a treat, you'll find the Crop Reviver, which will keep your balls smelling fresh, just like spring flowers. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays hygienic and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's right, Christian. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. And remind them the nerd sent you. All right, so Christian, this month we're starting a brand new segment our artist spotlight. We're gonna go ahead and count down our favorite pieces of work from a selected artist all month long. That's right, Damon, and this month we're doing Spielberg. Christian, when I think summer, I think summer blockbusters. And when I think summer blockbusters, I think Steven Spielberg. This month, we're getting in the summertime mood by talking all our favorite Spielberg summer blockbusters. Tune in every week as we discuss our favorite classics throughout the years. And to help us celebrate all things Spielberg, we've got an amazing giveaway. That's right, Spielberg fans. Rejoice. It's the anniversary of Jaws. And available now is Jaws 45th Anniversary Limited Edition. And our lucky listeners have a chance to enter our giveaway. Legendary filmmaker Steven Spielberg's cinematic masterpiece comes to 4K Ultra HD for the very first time. Includes over three hours of bonus content from his first ever summer blockbuster film. The winner of three Academy Awards, including Best Original Score. This classic is getting a limited edition combo pack with lenticular packaging, includes a 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and digital code of the film. You will also receive a 44-page booklet with introductions, rare photos, storyboards, and more from the archive. The bonus content includes the making of Jaws, deleted scenes, outtakes from the set, and much, much more. Enter our giveaway today for a chance to win one of four copies of Jaws 45th Anniversary Limited Edition. To enter, make sure you are subscribed to The Amazing Nerd Show on your favorite podcast platform, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. DM us a pic of your subscription on our social media. That's at Amazing Nerd Show on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And then make sure to like, share, or retweet our giveaway posts. And just like that, you're entered for a chance to win your very own copy of Jaws 45th Anniversary Limited Edition. That's right, Christian. Hit subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. 
DM us at Amazing Nerd Show on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and like, share, or retweet our giveaway post. And just like that, you're entered to win this masterpiece. Take a bite out of the summer with the Amazing Nerd Show all June with Spielberg Month and our Jaws giveaway. All right, so before we get started with our countdown, let's go ahead and talk about why we chose Steven Spielberg as our first month-long artist spotlight. And I think what it comes down to for us is Steven Spielberg is the quintessential director. After more than 40 years of making movies, his influence on film is unquantifiable. He's literally the father of the blockbuster film. Like, he did that. I mean, way back in 1975 with a movie about a freaking shark. Like, the whole reason it feels weird right now with it being summer and there's no huge film to go see in the theaters, I mean, right or wrong, no matter how you feel about it, it's all because of Spielberg. Like, he's bounded by no genre. For him, it's all about the craft of storytelling. His versatility might be his greatest strength. I mean, he can give you a spectacle and leave you in awe where like he shows you something you've never seen before on film. And in the same year, he can give you a thought-provoking period piece that makes you feel like you've been transported to another chapter in history. But I think where his true genius really lies um, is being able to connect the audience with his characters. His films all feel genuine because he recognizes no matter how big the film or how groundbreaking the effects you have, that characters are the heart of the story. From E.T. to Jurassic Park to Saving Private Ryan, the characters are the true magic of his filmmaking. Now initializing artist spotlight picks. Number five, Hook. He'll fight, he'll fly, and then he'll die. <laughs> when Captain James Hook kidnaps his children, an adult Peter Pan must return to Neverland and reclaim his youthful spirit in order to challenge his old enemy. This is directed, obviously, by Steven Spielberg, and it stars Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, and Julia Roberts. Now, now to start off, Damon, what, when did this movie come out? Yeah, so Christian, <laughs> this movie came out in fucking December. You already fucked up <laughs> the countdown. It's supposed to be summer Spielberg movies. But David. You, you just couldn't resist talking about Hook, so I, I gave you a pass. So make this good, man. Tell Dude. me why this movie means so much to you. Well, it's it's nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. I mean, this movie is something I enjoyed as a kid growing up every summer, almost every season, pretty much. You know, this was one of those ones I had on tape, threw it in. You know, that's that was one of my traditions. You know, when I'm at home, you know, from school, didn't have anything to do. You know, you just throw in fucking tapes into the VHS and you just watch whatever all day long. Well, Hook was on that rotation and I really love that movie. Um, you know, the, as an adult now, I can see how it's a little weird seeing Robin Williams, you know, in full leotard and everything. But, you know, <laughs> growing, up, that. <laughs> uh, growing up, uh, I really loved the portrayal of Peter Pan. I loved um, the Lost Boys. I loved everything in this movie. You know, um, I and my favorite, of course, is Hook. Um, Dustin Hoffman, you know, really fucking killed it for me. His portrayal of um, Hook is fucking phenomenal. Um, every time he's on screen, it's just... 
you know, entertaining from start to finish. And that's what I really got out of this. You know, most people see this movie as a Robin Williams classic, but I, you know, really get behind Dustin Hoffman as Hook. You know, I, I, I really love his portrayal in this movie. Is that um, the reason why you rock the long hair, Christian? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't go cutting off your uh, hand. Oh, well, I mean, I do oh, know. That was an them. alligator, right? That Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. My bad. I'll stay out of the gator pits, but yeah. you know, it is definitely outside of the box casting mm-hmm. with Hoffman. You know, he's Absolutely. not the first person I would have chosen as hook, but yeah, it did. It did work. Uh, Julia Roberts wasn't been my first choice for, uh, um, Tinkerbell either, but she she did her part. <laughs> no, absolutely. But yeah, the movie just has a very like as a kid, it was very the way it was shot and everything had this very awesome uh, surreal feel to it. You know, there's this like kind of glow on everything when he's in um, Neverland, which I just thought it cinematically showed off uh, Spielberg's prowess of making this you know this very different you know childlike world compared to the human world we see in the movie where it's very you know kind of dark and gloomy you know it is winter during this um during that time period so you definitely get to pull in more of that like dark scenery that you would get from like you know any christmas time it is good contrast you know film-wise like they start the movie up at night you know in the middle of winter and then you end up in netherlands so i'm sure that was by design Yes, absolutely. Um, just all in all, I think this is a great children's movie. Um, and going forward, I promise the rest of the movies will be summer blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Already cheating, man. <laughs> Number four, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. One Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! I know the way! In 1938, Indiana Jones' father goes missing while pursuing the Holy Grail. Indy finds himself up against Adolf Hitler's Nazis all over again in a quest to obtain power. This was directed, of course, by Steven Spielberg and stars Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. So, like, on paper, this movie sounds like a bad idea. Like, let's weigh down our badass action star by pairing him up with his elderly, bumbling father and let hijinks ensue. But that's not the case at all here. Uh, Instead, we get this memorable action film that by far is probably the funniest of the series Mm. and a movie with, like, a lot of heart. Um, So, like, after Temple of Doom, like, which isn't a bad movie by any means, but it it definitely felt like Spielberg wanted to, like, revisit, like, the original formula that made Indiana Jones, like, work, um, which is hunting down, like, a biblical relic and punching fucking Nazis in the (laughs) face. And goddammit, that's what we got here. Um, This is a fun adventure with some really, like, memorable action sequences, but, like, I think what makes this more than just, you know, an action film is the relationship with his father. Um, for the first time, Indiana, like, actually feels emotionally, like, vulnerable. Um, you can tell how much his father means to him. And, like, that father-son theme is something that, like, Spielberg has, like, running strong through a lot of his different movies. The casting of Connery is just perfect. I mean... Let's take James frickin' Bond and put him in a, you know, an Indiana Jones movie. And, like, he and Ford, like, have such fantastic chemistry that really just makes that theme of, like, father and son resonate. 
Um, I even love like the mini prequel that they do to like start things off. I mean, usually when something's so on the nose, like giving you like the complete origin story of like, you know, all like the iconic character <laughs> characteristics of Indiana Jones, it would be like too much for me. Mm-hmm. But like it didn't bother me at all. It was such a like charming little piece of filmmaking that I felt like it actually worked. No, I definitely agree. I feel like if someone had tried to attempt this today, it wouldn't work nearly as well as how Spielberg handled it back then. Um, you know, I I would say, like, whenever we do see, you know, like, that almost brings me to, like, Rise of Skywalker level of, like, you know, trying to explain things in some, in some points. Or even, like, know, like, Solo. Solo, exactly. <laughs> Where we actually find out how he got the, the Solo name. Uh-huh. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absurd but no i i loved it and river phoenix is fantastic mm-hmm. you know i mean such a talent young talented actor gone way too soon no i absolutely agree with what you were saying i definitely think this deserves to be on uh, spielberg's top list all right so tune in next week as we choose our next favorite spielberg summer christian right summer yes summer <laughs> blockbuster films December's not summer. <laughs> hey, tell that to Australia and all of our Australian listeners. Uh, whatever. I can't believe he cheated already. Like the first pick. All right. So let's talk some wrestling. Tonight, NXT has laid out the welcome mats for the first ever takeover in your house. Daddy's home. All right, Damon, this week... NXT was in your house. What were your overall feelings for the pay-per-view? You know, I I saw like some people were kind of harsh, um, uh, you know, talking about it. But like overall, I thought it was solid. Um, it's definitely not like their best offering, but I, I was entertained. Yeah, I got to say, for the most part, I was entertained. I did like the presentation. I thought they were uh, more creative than usual for a pay-per-view. But overall, the matches weren't like what I usually would expect from a takeover. But at the same time, um, I did, at the end of the day, enjoy myself. And this is an entertainment product, so isn't that isn't that what's most important? Yeah, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed like the whole in-your-house theme, like, mm-hmm. bringing that back. You know, for me, you know, as an older wrestling fan... It definitely checked that nostalgia like box for me. So I, I really dug it. Um, but yeah, so it, it definitely felt different. Um, was this actually shorter than your usual in your house or takeover? Uh, it was like, what was it? Two hours? It was, it was a so little over two hours. That's about right for a takeover, mm-hmm. right? They don't usually go too long. Uh, but yeah, you know, overall, I thought it was solid. I mean, I think a lot of people's issues with it is probably some of the finishes. Most likely. Yeah, which I understand. <laughs> but let's go ahead and let's get into it. All right. Um, starting off the card, we had Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox going up against Candice Lee Ray, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. So, like, when I saw this match first announced, I was like, man, this just feels like such a, like, you know, like every, like, Wednesday night, you know, typical, like, you know, NXT match, just mm-hmm. kind of thrown in there to, you know, be thrown in there. Like, I know you want something for everyone on the roster to do or, you know, to showcase them, like, during the pay-per-view, but it was just like, okay, well, I don't really, I guess they, they all have issues with each other, but it just felt kind of weak, you know? But, man, this was a great opener. I really dug this, and I thought they all clicked really well together. 
Um, they told a great story in the ring, and they had a fantastic pace to this match. It was all really quick, all really solid work, and, I, you know, they just had a really good, like, you know, flow to the whole thing. No, yeah, um, I feel like pacing was a problem in this pay-per-view in general, but this match is one of the few ones that had great pacing. You know, it didn't need to be any longer, didn't need to be any shorter. Yeah, it was right under uh, 10 minutes long, mm-hmm. so... Um, I'm really enjoying Candice in her new like heel persona. Uh, I think she's doing a fantastic job, and I want to see more. Um, you know, I, especially more away from Johnny. I know that's like part of the gig and everything, them playing off of each other. But I, I want to just see stuff like kind of featuring her more. Like just for two months, she's just been Johnny's wife, and now they're almost like playing that up even more. So, but like I, I really dig what she's doing with this character. I don't know yet, man. I'm still thinking about it. You know, really? Po- was it Poison Princess is what she, they're calling her as well? Yeah, that's a little corny. <laughs> but, you know, it's the promos that she's cutting, like when they're eating dinner and shit like that. Gotcha. I don't know. It's so different than what, she, you know, how she was portrayed beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I just really enjoy it. I think what they were missing was like, she was like hardcore with a smile in the indies. So that that they took away the hardcore as soon as she came in, and mm-hmm. she was nothing but you know just a smiley baby face. It didn't really make sense. No, she felt like Bailey Light. Yeah, <laughs> you know she really didn't have much personality. Yeah, and it felt like her role was really just to be Johnny's wife, and that was it. So this is kind of giving her a little more of the spotlight, but she's still kind of like in Johnny's shadow. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I want to see her kind of break away more and do her own thing with Johnny, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) But this was, I mean, this really, I thought this did a great job of putting everyone over in the match, Mm. which is rare and hard to do. Yes. All right. uh, Up next, we had Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. Uh, this might have been my favorite match on the pay-per-view. Work-wise, I thought this uh, this was really, really well done. Um, I, I'm i not a huge fan of Damian Priest um, uh, until this match. I, you know, I felt like Balor brought the best out of them. So I felt like they clicked in the ring. And there were some great spots here. No, yeah, you could definitely see that these two were working on all cylinders well together. Um, and, you know, like with the next match, uh, that, that didn't feel the same at all. But uh, <laughs> I, the pace in this was perfect. I thought this was you know just what it needed to be. Didn't need to be more. Again, this was like I, I was really getting behind this match um, from start to finish. And the spots, yeah, they they brought me in. I was I was actually enveloped in the match while I was this watching. This is the rare, you know, example of, you know, a wrestler getting the rub in a loss. So, like, I felt Damien is better for this loss after this match mm-hmm. just because it really kind of, like, put over, like, what a tough son of a bitch he was and everything like that. That whole fucking, you know, um, spot onto the steps on the outside. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I cringed, like, right away. <laughs> um, it, it just, I was like, oh, is he going to get up? Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean. Now, let's talk about the intro. I actually thought, it was Damien Priest, like, opening up the show, <laughs> and I was terrified. I was like, oh, no, did they give him a singing gimmick, and I just missed it? Like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, but the nose, it was Code Orange. I was like, okay. I didn't realize that, you know, one of the singers from Code Orange looked identical to Damien Priest. No, it was so, And did Priest lose weight? I, I don't know. I, he looks <laughs> smaller to me. It's weird. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's been home for the last... Oh, no, I guess he's been working, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. He's so not on television. Maybe he can't. Well, he can't necessarily. Well, no, they're in Florida. So he mm-hmm. can't go to the gym. And they're in the performance center. Because, I mean, hey, some guys have definitely been losing, you know, some muscles, you know, being stuck at home. I did uh, notice that with the AEW guys. I still, I love everything that they're doing with Finn, even though I, I don't know whether he's supposed to be a face or heel right now. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going to disagree with you. Because I don't, like, I I enjoyed the heel persona um, that they seem to really, like, stick with for the first, like, three months of his arrival. But then it seems now we're kind of in this tweener role. Um, as long as we don't go back to smiling Finn, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But I was I was digging, like, you know, the edgier promos and everything. So hopefully he kind of goes, you know, back to that. And, you know, he, this, this whole angle was him playing the victim, like him being attacked, gotcha. um, you know, in the locker room. But he was seeking vengeance right off the bat. But it just, I don't know. It felt kind of weird. I was like, wait a second. Isn't Finn supposed to be the fucking heel? <laughs> but now uh, Priest is faced. So he, he had a face turn on NXT, pretty much. Just within his promo. So just talking about, like, respecting Finn and, like, almost, like, thanking him for the match and everything. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I never understood his gimmick anyway. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. He's an uh, archer. With no bow and arrow. Who dude. wants to live forever. Yes. So he's like a vampire archer guy. And like, like I feel like everyone has all these like elaborate entrances, yet they just have him turn around and they do the cheesy flames on the um, the Titan truck. <laughs> I was like, you can't even give the dude a sound effect or anything for that? Like, <laughs> but anyway. It was it, too dramatic when it first started so it's, i'm fine it's with weak it. they need to get rid of that i hope <laughs> uh, if he ever gets called up i hope mcmahon just fucking axes that right away uh, up next we have keith lee versus johnny gargano for the american championship the north american championship so i was actually really looking forward to this match um, me too just the dynamic between you know keith lee being this giant man and Johnny being, you know, smaller in stature, I thought we we're going to see Johnny getting thrown around the ring, you know. Um, you know, it would be kind of a reverse, like, David and Goliath situation, though, since Johnny's, you know, playing heel. Hmm. But that's not the psychology of this match at all. You know, and I didn't understand the choice they made here. And I thought it kind of made for, you know, just, I don't know, it, it just didn't really, like, mesh well. Um, I never bought like, you know, Keith Lee selling his like fingers. Um, and then the whole key spot, like in the eye, I thought was just absolutely absurd. Like anyone knows that if you fucking stick a key in your eye, you got to sell it more than like five seconds. (laughs) And that's not the first time he did it. He actually did that, uh, a show or two ago. So, I mean, fucking Moxley got a fucking spike in the eye and he wore an eye patch for like three months. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe Keith Lee's Wolverine, but it, it just it, it just felt a little absurd to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to imagine how uncomfortable that probably was having a key in there the entire match, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is true. But I actually found myself, like, getting seriously bored watching the match. And I don't know if it's just, like, I, I prefer Pete Dunne's hand manipulation compared to Gargano's, but... It just, I was getting so bored watching the same thing happen over and over again. Where it was literally, I was like, is this match almost over? And then Gorgano got thrown through a, a glass window. But <laughs> I just think it's bad psychology. Because, like, yeah. Keith Lee, I feel like, could still kill Johnny with, like, one hand. 
Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was just working over, like, his fingers over and over, like, I felt like you should go for a leg or something like that. That makes more sense. Like, get him on the ground. So, I mean, I didn't understand the psychology at all. It just didn't work. And it was too long. (laughs) And this feud is continuing. Uh, Johnny actually uh, got a win uh, during a mixed tag match with him on NXT. So uh, he used Candice as a prop, basically. (laughs) Although she actually played like she was knocked out and Johnny, uh, Keith Lee was holding her. Mm -hmm. um, And then Johnny uh, stole a pin on him while Uh, like she was still in his arms. Yeah, I think I saw that spot. Yes, yes. (laughs) It was a nice piece of work, but I was like, I don't want to necessarily see this feud continue. Oh, if I could give them props on one thing, though. Johnny's entrance where he goes through the door, I thought that was actually yes. pretty smooth yes. for WWE's standards. And the and the Doc Hendricks little Easter egg I thought was great. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian getup was fantastic. Just, you know, their bell rang. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was unfortunate. So, I mean, and I mean, I, I guess I hold, you know, Gargano to like a high standard. Mm-hmm. You know, and Keith Lee for that matter. So I was just, it was, I was just let down. All right, well, uh, up next, we had Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship in a backlot brawl. I don't mind these cinematic matches. I don't. But I feel like there needs to be more thought put behind them. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like this feud warranted this type of match. Um, and I didn't feel like they came up with anything incredibly creative you know, for this match. It just felt like a glorified street fight. And if you're going to shoot it this way, I think you need to have, you know, more moving pieces during the match, if it makes any sense. So there needs to be more of a story um, other than Dexter, what's his face, coming out of the, you know, trunk of the car and scaring the, you know, the, the rest of the guys. I, I didn't quite understand. I, I don't even understand that angle at all. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I, I remember the guy on TNA uh, or Impact, I think, at the time. Uh, I hated the gimmick then because it just doesn't like, you, okay, so you're a serial killer who wrestles. Everyone knows that you're not really a killer. So what's, I mean, I, you know, what's the point here? Um, it, and it, it, once again, I thought it took away from the match. So, and I felt like that was the only thing major that they had happened during this match otherwise it was just a street fight yeah and for a street fight it still was very underwhelming you know like you would have thought there would have been more action sequences then they had the stupid gimmicks during the match where it's like the uber came yeah um adam gets in a random car and they start swinging at it with a bat um he can't drive away because he doesn't have the keys it was just a lot of little weird choices that didn't if, do anything to help the match. If you're going to tell a story like that, you know, mm-hmm. in a match, you know, you need more. You know, there has to be a, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. And they, it just felt like a, a bunch of events thrown together and, you know, there happened to be wrestling involved. So that that was my problem. And then Dream has really just dropped off for me, like, since he's, like, come back. And I don't know if it's just a case, you know, he's always been green. And that's not his fault. He's just, you know, he's only been wrestling for a handful of years. But I think they're protecting him in a way before, you know, he got injured. Um, Where that greenness didn't really, like, shine through as much. 
Um, but now they're just letting him like, I don't know, just kind of flounder. And like, Jesus Christ, like if you can't throw a fucking punch, then don't throw a punch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's my, like he can't throw a punch. Like none of his punches are fucking believable and they drive me insane. Um, you know, stay away from throwing a punch or fucking, you know, lock yourself in the room, get Terry Funk, you know, to come by <laughs> and lock, lock them in the room together and have Terry teach him how to throw a fucking jab. Because, uh, I mean, they're just awful. Fucking awful. <laughs> well, just um, like a couple of years ago, I would have told you he was going up, you know, like to yeah. the main roster. And now it's See, just I, it's I nowhere like near that. Green, but like, I felt like, OK, he's got such charisma and everything like mm. that. And you're seeing him put things together. But I felt like a lot of that also had to do with the talent that he was working with kind of protecting him. But I thought he would, I don't know, get over that bridge by now, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know if the injury, I know he had some like other like controversies going on over the you know past month or two. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that's kind of taken wind out of the seals of his, his sales and it's like he's just not as focused anymore. Um, or maybe they're down on him. But I mean, he did get a title shot. But now, like the way he lost and everything, I don't know where they're going. Yeah, what's next for Velvet? Yeah, Tangerine. like where where are we going from here? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, and now it looks like, and we'll talk about it in, with the next match. But it looks like Karrion Cross is going to be facing off against Adam Cole in the near future. So Dream's definitely out of the title picture. All right, well, speaking of that, let's talk Kyrian Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa. So I was okay with this match. Um, I was fine with Ciampa putting Cross over in the fashion that he did. Um, just, you know, establishing Cross as this dominant force. I thought that, you know, Ciampa didn't lose anything from this loss. That he can definitely, you know, in a rematch you know, have a more even battle with him and everything. But right now you could definitely see that this guy's a star and that, you know, they're well invested, you know, in him. I mean, that entrance alone (laughs) tells you all you need to know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this guy in six months is like up, you know, on the main roster. Have you heard anything about Vince's impressions of him or anything like that? I'm sure he loves them. I mean, the guy's fucking 6'4 and, you know, 270 pounds. Uh-huh. He looks like a million dollars. I'm sure he, you know, he's got his eyes on him. No, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. We've heard that before, though. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. It, it, it was right to have um, Cross go over. I just know that there's a better match with Ciampa there. Mm-hmm. So when I see a takeover and Ciampa's on the card, I expect, you know, that that 15 minute battle between two guys but you know it, it was what it was yeah, I, yeah I'm and gonna, I'm, not, I'm not too mad at it yeah and i'm not like i don't know cross's work that well so mm-hmm. i don't know what he's necessarily capable of so i don't know if it was protecting him more i mean i love all the fucking throws and shit like that i mean he's violent you know i dig that um, I don't know how much or how well that stuff is going to play on the main roster, though. <laughs> I don't know how many guys are going to be letting him, like, throw them around like that. Because mm-hmm. some of that shit was definitely vicious. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I was okay with it overall. Like, I understood the booking. 
All right, well, last but not least, we had the triple threat match between Io Shirai, Charlotte Flair, and Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship match. So speaking of not understanding the booking, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess this is the total like flip side of the coin. I thought the match was great. I just didn't understand the finish. It made no fucking sense at all to me. Like, why do you have Rhea take the fucking pin here? I was happy for EO. I think that's great. But, like, the pin should have been on Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It even felt like it was set for her to land on Charlotte. Yes. And then you have, even if you're still trying to protect Charlotte, you can ha- say, well, her legs are locked up with Rhea's. So mm-hmm. that's why she takes the fucking pin. But, like, it just, it with how they booked this whole feud between Rhea and Flair since WrestleMania has just made no fucking sense. Like, I was like, okay, fine. I can deal with the fact that, you know, Flair won. Um, But, like, my whole thing was like, okay, well, now it's the chase and we're going to go ahead and we're going to watch, you know, Rhea, like, chase Charlotte until she finally gets that, you know, rematch and wins the belt back and put her over huge. And maybe in the meantime, Charlotte could be on NXT, you know, putting over you know, the younger talent. But that wasn't the case at all here. <laughs> you know, Rhea, st- st- like, I mean, I feel like they destroyed her momentum completely. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, she takes another loss, you know, for no reason. And now it doesn't even feel like she should be in the title picture. And I don't know if Flair is going to be coming back to NXT. She's acting like she's not, and maybe that's bullshit. But it just didn't make any sense. And I... It, it, She's feuding with Asuka on um, Raw right now. Yeah. So, like, I know Asuka's got Nia at the pay-per-view, but, like, they keep on playing up the fact that, you know, Asuka's never beaten Flair. So it feels like that's going to be a program. I don't know how that ends. But, like, you know, the only way I can see, like, them rectifying this for Rhea is, like, if Charlotte ends up getting one of those main roster belts and Rhea gets called up and beats Charlotte for that belt. I just don't want that to be at the expense of Asuka. No, no, exactly. (laughs) No. But, and I don't want them to ruin, you know, the program that's happening between Sasha and Bailey either. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not happy about any of this because <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the match was good. I enjoyed the fucking match. I just, it's the finish that kills me. No, um, I had to agree. I, I, I love EO, so I'm very happy for her winning. It was just, you know, it should have been Charlotte that, that took the pin. It made no sense. Yes. Um, I, I definitely, there was a few spots where it's like you knew she was coming off the top where they mm-hmm. overset that up a little bit too much. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would have rather they had, like, focused more um, filming-wise on the fight that Charlotte and Rio were happen- having instead of showing EO, on, like, setting up for, like, five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that bothered did, me. But... You know, I did think that the camera work was better than, you know, what we get with the main roster. Um, mm-hmm. That was something that did jump out to me. Like, the lack... The, the lack of thankfully of like camera cuts you know on every fucking impact move um but yeah no i agree with that you know yeah, they kind of they, tell, they telegraphed <laughs> the setup way too much mm-hmm. so um but yeah i th- that is how it is i d- i definitely started thinking about like what could um the future like 
like of Raw and SmackDown be. And I had this crazy uh, booking I wanted to throw past you. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> so what if we have um, Asuka and Kyrie join up again and go up against um, Bailey and Sasha, and we okay. get Asuka three belts? Oh wow! That well, that, <laughs> that feels like an Oscar's mega fan like dream come true. Yes, <laughs> I don't necessarily vid- see Vince doing that. Uh, you know, not to say he's not a fan of her because obviously he pushes her, but at the uh-huh. same time, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to build her up that much. They wouldn't. But my, so. I guess my my idea was would be it would be pushed towards Bailey versus Sasha, where you have um, Bailey blaming the loss on um sasha pretty much and then bailey can just go after um oscar have a match there get her title back and then move forward so you would have bailey turn on sasha yes okay and that i mean that's probably what's going to end up happening Mm -hmm. um you know i i guess i was kind of picturing more of like sasha just having enough of bailey you know and like her using her and like standing up for herself but I guess that's another direction where like Sasha is just loyal to the to a fault, and then Bailey, you know, blames her for something and turns on her. Um, I feel like did... that makes her even more sympathetic. In the end. Yes, no, I agree. I agree. So, um, and that would be a, you know a different wrinkle that we haven't seen in a while. So um, I I would enjoy that. I'm enjoying them right now as a team, um, honestly, and I've been enjoying that angle um, surprisingly, even though we saw it for almost six months two years ago. With no, like, satisfying conclusion uh-huh. at all. But, um, yeah, so I, I feel like Bailey's finally, like, come into her own as a heel. You know, so she's been really entertaining lately. At least to me. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, so uh, let's talk about the whole, uh, well, let's go ahead and let's rate the pay-per-view. Before oh, yes. we move on, because we do have <laughs> some news to talk about quickly. Mm. How many stars would you give this, Christian? I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, you know, I still think, you know, there's a lot to love about what they did with, um, in your house. And I think it's the right first step to maybe more creative ideas down the road, but, um, you know, the matches itself were just poorly paced and, um, not as good as I would expect from a takeover. Yeah. I mean, comparatively speaking, you know, to other like classic takeovers that, Mm -hmm. you know, end up in the running for like the show of the year you know half the time um i I would definitely have to agree with you this is definitely lesser than um but i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with your rate i'm gonna give it a 3.5 also because i do feel like this was entertaining so Mm -hmm. i did enjoy it yeah you know some of the matches didn't click but you know at the same time then i could definitely see you know where they're headed with some of these programs Mm -hmm. which is refreshing all right, so about an hour ago, right before we started recording, WWE uh, had a little press release where they, you know, uh, announced where they were streamlining the creative writing process for television and consolidating both teams, which now means that Paul Heyman will concentrate on his role as the as an in-ring performer. <laughs> um, and Bruce Pritchard will now be the head of both teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it sounds like uh, Heyman's been scapegoated. Uh, the ratings have been awful lately. Um, definitely not because of anything Heyman's doing. 
Um, I think it's just the whole like COVID-19 shit going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that you're doing three hours of live TV, well, not live TV, but, you know, TV with, you know, of wrestling with no fucking crowd. Um, and let's not kid ourselves. Haven wasn't completely in control creatively on Raw. Um, between the two shows, I would definitely say I've been enjoying Raw a lot more. Um, SmackDown has like Vince's fingerprints all over it. Just that kind of like sophomore humor. Um, it's it's definitely Pritchard's, you know, style too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more of that like, you know, fantastic element, if you will. Um, so I, I don't know. This is definitely not good news. I'm guessing there was like one too many arguments happening behind the scenes. And that's just hearsay. That's me guessing. <laughs> Knowing like how Heyman can commit, you know, to like a storyline or something like that and stick to his guns. I'm sure that was a turnoff to Vince. Um, I'm honestly surprised like he lasted an entire year because it was last year around this time that it was announced that he was the new executive director of Raw. So that's a full year. That's a lot longer than I, I initially gave him, you know, in this role. <laughs> um, I mean, fucking Bischoff made it, what, like four months tops? Like four days. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, don't kid yourself. Like, I don't feel like there's going to be any, like, major change of direction. At least I hope not. Um, the one thing that I did enjoy about Raw was they are actually pushing younger talent. You know, younger talent was getting the spotlight. Um, and a chance to really shine on that show. So we'll see where we go from here. Honestly, like, I'm surprised they've stuck with the brand split this long, you know, with this situation. You would think that they would just say, fuck it. We've got a smaller roster right now because of everything. Why not just go ahead and put everyone together? I mean, they fucking end up, you know, axing the brand split halfway through the year most of the time anyway. So, and I know they kind of did that with the whole, like, all right, everyone, there's like a four time rule now. I don't know if you've even realized this, Christian, because I know you're not watching Raw and SmackDown. And honestly, I heard about it. I'm barely watching at this point. Um, but they've got this rule that I'm sure they forgot about it by now, where like each superstar can go on the other show four times a year. So, That's, yes. Such no a ridiculous, like, that. why would you even put a number on it? Like, <laughs> you're just setting yourselves up, you oh. know, for failure. So, I mean, just get rid of the brand split, honestly. Um, you know, instead of consolidating the writing team, let's consolidate the titles. You know, <laughs> actually make them matter again. Um, you know, and just have a full roster. Because, I mean, no. if you put that ro- two rosters together, I feel like you have something there. That's what I figured this was setting up for pretty much at this point. When you say that, you know, it's one writer, it's one team, I'm going to guess that they're going to end any sense of a brand split any day now. And they could just use their corporate speak and say, you know, due to current events, you know, we're consolidating the roster. Or we're, you know, streamlining the shows and, you know, we're both Raw and SmackDown are featuring all the superstars, you know, or just call it a super show hour or whatever the fuck you want to do. Let's you not know. go back to super shows. Oh, you, you know they love to label shit. So, you know, give it some fancy title that makes you feel good, like you're fooling someone, uh, which you're not. Um, but that way you have a whole roster to pick and choose from. So, um, it, you know, but once again, I mean, this definitely doesn't feel like it's rests solely on Hayden's shoulders. And I mean, ratings have been dreadful. 
but it's definitely not, you know, all of Hayden's fault at least. Either way, I'm probably still not watching. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love Pritchard's podcast. I do. (laughs) I just don't want him fucking with my wrestling, you know? (laughs) Well, you know what I will be watching is New Japan's return, which should be like next week. (laughs) Yes, that's going to be interesting too. So I, I think they're... I haven't heard exactly what they're doing with the audience. I think they're starting off with no crowd whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then slowly, like in the next couple weeks, they're going to be doing like a smaller audience, um, you know, for the the whole uh, New Japan Cup. Um, But it's still going to be like a smaller audience. And that's what I at least heard initially. So I didn't watch the press conference, though. I think it's supposed to be until Dominion. Okay. But I'm not 100%. Okay, and then, well, hopefully, knock on wood, that works out for them. So, mm. uh, but yeah, 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 it should be interesting. I think they'll do fine without an audience. I don't think it will affect them the same as, like, you know, watching the American product, just because, like, a Japanese audience is, like, you know, typically quieter than, you know, an American audience. So, I, I don't think it'd be so jarring, you know, to watch their product. I mean, there's going to be less people for Koda to accidentally run into when he jumps with his head. And so. honestly, you could just do what, you know, AEW and, you know, NXT is trying to do um, and just put young boys, you know, That's in the true. crowd and let Suzuki goon just fucking kill them all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every fucking show. I mean, that'll be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, at least. All right, so that's going to do it for this week, man. But before we close the show, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, Super Politics. That's right, that's Super Politics. A lawyer and a hip-hop producer break down today's major political questions, discuss what people disagree about and why, and give you all the correct answers. It's the leftist politics comedy podcast of your dreams. All aboard the truth train. And you can check out Super Politics at Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show go ahead and buy some merch over at t public they have shirts they have sweatshirts i think they have mugs bumper stickers the works man absolutely and you can also head over to prowrestlingtees.com and find our merch there as well yeah while you're at it go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestlers t-shirt all right damon what are we talking about next week christian we are going to be reviewing the greatest match ever it's going to be taking place on WWE's Backlash. Holy shit. I'm going to have to, like, tattoo the date on me. You know, just fucking buy that little square that they sell. Because you know they're going to do, like, oh, it was the greatest little match square. ever. Fucking... What little square? You know they... they sell... Oh, you're talking about, like, a ring piece mat? of mat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about wrestling, Christian. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into how ridiculous. I'm sure you know they've got something up their mm-hmm. sleeves. So we'll we'll be reviewing all that ridiculousness, you know, next week. Um, all right, and our artist spotlight is going to continue. So make sure you tune in to hear our next picks for our Spielberg countdown. That's right. Don't forget to DM us a pick of your subscription because that will get you in to win a 45th anniversary edition of Jaws. Can I win? No. You already win every week, Damon. You talk with me. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to go. All right. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. You chose poorly.